Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hook em up with E and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Yeah, it's an Over the Hump Wednesday. Looking forward now. What happened, happened. Now it's time to look through the windshield and start looking forward to Texas and Oklahoma. Cowboys and 49ers. Tremendous football weekend. Also, the baseball playoffs are here. The regular season in the rear view. The real season is here, and there are four games in the books. And, gosh, series could end today. Series mm-hmm. could end today. You play 162 games over six months, and all of a sudden... If you're the Rays and a 99-win team, your season can be over today in the blink of an eye. That's the way the baseball playoffs go. Rangers in the advantage. We'll get you the headlines coming up. It's also National Taco Day, so we're talking about tacos, vodka in there, little Tito's. Mmm. Mmm. Nah, I, 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 I love me some Tito's, but I went out get my tacos. I think I need some tequila. Okay. Tacos. You know what I mean? I'm little, good. little tequila there. I was just thinking of two and I were talking, talking about the break, tequila. Mike. When I think tacos these days, I think of Torchy's Tacos. There's a Torchy's Torchy's Queso is awesome. Yeah, it's man. one of my favorite queso out there. I, I, I'll just make a run at Torchy's to get queso every now and then. Well, it's a Torchy's now it's down fantastic. near um, south of South Park Meadows, or north of South Park Meadows, where I live in Onion Creek. Oh, I got one by the crib, too. I got one I probably got like t- five minutes from the house. They got all the games on. Oh, man. It's a good spot. Oh, and they built a nice one, too, uh, by, man, right by me. Like, it's a bigger one. Yeah. Like, well, it's like an advantage. They got a like bar. A sports bar. <laughs> yeah, they got, they got a bar in there and everything. No, it's really nice. Yeah, you're right. All right. So, I'm Torchy's yeah. Tacos. Let us know where your favorite tacos are. Um, this says, Yelp panels a bunch of gringos. San Antonio is <laughs> a better town. <laughs> I'd, agree. Hey, I will, I'd agree with that. I will honestly. say some of the best taco spots are, like, the, you know, just a little... Taco truck somewhere, just randomly nondescript taco truck on South Kong yeah. or something. Like sometimes those are the best. Or the hole in the wall joint, you know what I mean? Look like it's a, a house that's been there forever that's also a, a ta- you know, kind of a Mexican uh, food spot. Sometimes those are the best tacos. I will say that. Oh, yeah. Had some of my best tacos. Like, damn, oh, food this trucks? place has been here forever? Like, oh, yeah, man, we come here all the time. So we'll throw that out there. Well, I think if you go, yeah, among the list of best taco places, I think a high majority were taco were like the food trucks. Mm-hmm. They can just do it greasy, man. Uh, do it greasy. Do I it like right. That. Do it right. Do it greasy. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking for when we're looking for some tacos. Do it greasy, baby. Hey, coming up this hour, Rod will have his first rant of the day. We'll get you some deep dive thoughts on the Longhorns or whatever Rod's uh, ranting on or thinking about today, percolating on. It could be the Longhorns, could be the Cowboys, could be these big games coming, uh, which we're looking forward to. Hey, let's get you caught up with the headlines, news of the morning, and then uh, uh, we'll pick up the taco talk. But first, uh, the headlines. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring it to you. Start with uh, the Longhorns. Yeah, third-ranked Texas continuing their prep game week prep for the 119th meeting with their rivals north of the Red River. Uh, for the first time in 12 years, both teams meet at the Cotton Bowl undefeated. So for the first time, the Longhorns enter with a higher ranking since 09. 12th-ranked Sooners enter this year's game at 5-0. They are much improved, though, from a year ago, especially on defense and at quarterback. And their 6-7 and seven season last year, OU's defense was allowing over 460 yards a game. 
More than 33 points per game so far this year through five games, allowing just 10 points a game and 120 yards a game fewer. Dylan Gabriel is their quarterback. He's healthy this year. How about this stat for him in his first five games? One of just six FBS quarterbacks in the last 27 seasons to complete at least 75% of his passes through the first five games. I'm also throwing for 15 or more touchdowns and two or fewer interceptions. Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns will be ready for the street fight on Saturday. It's a great rivalry, right? And I don't think there's a whole lot of love lost between the fan bases, between the ex-players, the ex-coaches. Um, there's a lot of crossover on both rosters of players that have played together in high school or against each other in high school. The coaching staffs have competed against each other, maybe not at these two institutions, but at different places. So um, in the end, you know, it, it is what it is. We're, we're trying to compete for a Big 12 championship, and so are they. And so it's going to take our best effort, uh, not only physically, but I think mentally, to be sharp Saturday. Baseball, eight teams in action yesterday, four games on day one of the 2023 MLB playoffs. It's the best of three wild card round. First game, Rangers rolled into the mostly empty, empty Tropicana field and took down Tampa. 4-0. Rangers starter Jordan Montgomery a stud on the mound. Lefty dominated the Rays. Allowed just six hits over seven shutout frames. Corey Seager, Josh Young drove in runs. Rangers took advantage of four errors by Tampa. Rangers can close that series out today with a win. Good pitching matchup. Nathan Eovaldi on the mound for Texas. 16-game winner Zach Eflin for the Rays. Also yesterday, the Minnesota Twins finally ended that 18 years of postseason futility with a 3-1 win over Toronto at Target Field. Before yesterday, the Twins hadn't won a playoff game since October 4 of 2004. Uh, their 18-game losing streak has grown into the longest such postseason run or had in North American sports history. Last night in the National League, they took center stage. Diamondbacks beat Milwaukee in Sud City 6-3. Then Philadelphia beat the Marlins 3-1 behind their ace, Zach Wheeler. He punched out eight over six and two-thirds. All four series set for game twos today. Scheduled the same as yesterday, including the Rangers with a 208 first pitch from Tropicana Field. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Halloween here is scarier than an OU cheerleader without makeup. But nothing scarier than missing out on employee pricing on all our zero-turn mowers this month at Top Gun. TopGun.net will shoot you straight. By the way, Rod, that game you can hear right here on the horn, the Rays and Rangers. Oh, yeah. 208, 208 this afternoon. Mm. First pitch. Um, oh, so now we got people commenting on queso. <laughs> Uh, can't you at, at Torchy's, uh, can't you make, make it trashy or something? Is that what it is? Yep. When they trashy. make it trashy and they put queso on the taco? Yeah, Matt's, uh, Matt's mm-hmm. El Rancho's Bob Armstrong dip is the best. Look, but you see, you can put uh, queso. Queso's a different conversation, guys. Come on, stay, stay focused. But you can put <laughs> queso on a taco. You can. But that, yeah, exactly. What they said, that's a taco conversation, not a queso conversation. But yes, the Bob Armstrong's queso, queso is pretty damn strong. <laughs> it's so pretty damn good. One taco is where it's at. One taco is where it's at. Okay. Yeah, I don't. You know what? I I don't have a go to taco spot. I'll admit that. I don't have a go. I I I'm pretty open. Well, that's why I mentioned tortillas because so I don't so eat many a lot good of tacos. Spots. I don't eat a lot of tacos. I eat if I do eat tacos, it's breakfast tacos. I mean, that's the most common taco. You don't for do me. taco at the house? No. You you go. You, y'all don't just uh, make turkey tacos? tacos eventually. Sometimes. Yeah, like, we like do. Ta- tacos, we do turkey taco like turkey. Yeah. Taco meat. Ground turkey. Yeah, ground yeah. turkey. Yeah, we do that. Not, mm-hmm. no, and we, we do shrimp tacos at the house. You do shrimp tacos? Listen, we're empty nesters now. When we had yeah. kids, we did all kinds of things. You had to make a bunch of food. Now it's just like, fend for yourself. Whatever's <laughs> <Whatever's> in the <laughs> fridge. You didn't eat. That's on you. <laughs> Occasionally, we'll make enough food like on a Sunday afternoon to have leftovers for the week or something. But yeah, it's just weird. Oh, man, we love tacos. We do crunchy tacos. We do shrimp tacos. Sometimes we'll just do soft tacos. Well, like, that's do- why you don't have a shrimp a taco place because you do it at home. Uh, that's a good point. We do a lot of tacos at home, but I, I go out and get some tacos every now and then, but I just don't have a go-to spot. Like some places, like I got a go-to fried chicken spot. 
right? I got to get boom. I got to go to that. I got to, you know, you got certain places you got to go, your, your go to spots for certain things, and I don't have a go to taco spot. Maybe I, I need one. Well, I do for breakfast tacos. Like we have company in town or whatnot, or we're looking for, you know, I don't want to mm-hmm. make breakfast. You go get some breakfast tacos. Oh, yeah. And kind of. um, somebody mentioned that Amaya's Taco Village is really good. And anytime you get to Maudie's breakfast tacos, I think those are really good. I'm a fan of Maudie's. You know what tacos I don't actually like? What's breakfast that? tacos. I'm not a big fan. Because people don't know how to, I, I don't like people's eggs. Ooh, I'm real finicky runny? about my eggs. Oh, I'm an egg white man. And strangely okay. enough, I don't like white condiments, but I eat only egg whites. <laughs> I'm a weird person. That is weird. <laughs> that is weird. I don't like white condiments, but I love egg whites. And not every place does egg whites the right way, so I'm weird about my eggs. So I don't like breakfast tacos as much, but I do like tacos. I'm weird. There you go. See? Strange. That's, we learned a lot about one go. another. I'm finicky. Yeah, I'm a huge breakfast taco guy, even though I don't eat breakfast all that much. But, uh, you know, we're all over the place. We're all over the place. <laughs> queso, what queso, queso tacos, breakfast. Do it. vodka, tequila. <laughs> But uh, we know it's Wednesday, so we're looking forward to some big games this weekend. Uh, looking to, and, and drilling down, we mentioned doing you the public service. If you, you know, you kind of lock in that Thursday night special game, probably can avoid that this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thursday night, the uh, the folks at Amazon not going to be thrilled with Washington Chicago. That's supposed to be a big game because those are two historic fan bases, two big fan bases. But the game at FedEx Field in Landover is going to be ugly. They U-G-L-Y. thought Justin. They thought Justin Fields and that Bears offense was going to take a step this year. It did not. It actually regressed. Take a step. It took a step. Step back. Um, and, then, and then you got the Commanders. And unfortunately, Eric Enemy, The offense looks better, but they cannot protect the quarterback. These are two of the worst pass protection teams in all the NFL, and two of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. So it's going to be. It's going to be ugly. Going to be ugly, yeah. It's going to be ugly because Washington's uh, one of those teams, kind of like we mentioned Arizona, and that jumped out two and zero and were kind of a surprise. But they beat Arizona in Denver to start the year, and now they've lost badly, or they lost badly to Buffalo, thirty-seven to three, and they played well with Philadelphia, got to overtime, mm-hmm. but um, they're two and two. And then of course the uh, the Chicago Bears are the big talk of most underperforming and the most disappointing team this year because there were some expectations in Chicago that oh, you know yeah. Justin Fields and. The trade they made. Remember, they had the number one pick and traded for DJ Moore. Yep, they're zero and four. The just the Justin Fields experiment is not going well, and Chicago fans are mad because the Bears still still suck. You know the what I'm saying? Ba- <laughs> oh, we suck again. Yes, they do, unfortunately, and they can't figure out quarterback. That fran- sometimes franchise feel like they're cursed at a certain position, and the Bears do feel like they're cursed at quarterback. This is the quarterback class coming up. I wonder if the Bears may decide to move on from Justin Fields because of the, the embarrassment of riches they, you know, I mean, they have coming out in the draft at the quarterback position. It's going to be like five, six first-round quarterbacks potentially coming out. Yeah, well, Quinn maybe could, more, Quinn right? could be one. Quinn's in it, yeah, Drake Quinn's May and Caleb Williams, and now, I mean, Michael De- Penix, Shadur Sanders, and but Dion has said he's probably not coming out, but you never well, know. I'll also say, well, we'll, we'll see what they grade him at. Yeah, he's graded I, as like the third, fourth-best quarterback. What are you going to do? That's, that's crazy to tell yeah. him to come back to school. Yeah. Uh, and, and all of those guys you just mentioned look better than Justin Fields right now because he just doesn't seem oh, like he man. sees the field and um, reads defenses well enough. And, you know, can you teach that at this point? But as I said with the Bears, it's just organizational ineptitude. To Pretty it, It's never good to draft a quarterback or hire a coach who didn't draft the quarterback that you're trying to develop, right? Yep. It's always good to let a, a do the head coach first, then let them draft. Let them draft this guy. Like, I mean, look at the, the, the Texans, right? D'Amico Ryans was hired. He and uh, Nick Casario worked with yeah. Bobby Slowick and to hire the and draft the quarterback they wanted, which was 
you know, they didn't have a chance at Bryce Young, but they took C.J. Stroud, but Anthony Richardson was available. The Will Levis conversation was going on. They got to take their guy. Uh, and the Bears have done that twice now with high picks, Mitch Trubisky and Justin Fields, and then, mm. you know, brought in a new coach, and it's just not going well. Washington, meanwhile, I don't know what they're – I mean, Sam Howell seems like a good player, or, or a decent young player, but he's been sacked 24 times. I know. Eric B. 24 times in four games. You can't be successful yeah. with 24 sacks. I got to watch. I got to go watch. I haven't watched a lot of Washington. I'll admit that. I got to watch. You're not some, missing a lot. <laughs> but I want to watch to see if the sacks are more something that can be schemed around, something that you can scheme up, or is it just the offensive line? And as we've talked about, you got a bad O line. It's hard to scheme around that. It's hard to scheme around just a terrible, bad O line. But I will say that Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams, Sass, Cardi B, Sass, Megan the Stallion, Sass, but is the Texans are doing it. They are somehow doing it. It's hard to do because even here at Texas at any level, it's hard to scheme around a bad O line. Somehow the Texans are doing it right now, which is one of the biggest and most astounding stories in all the NFL. Agreed. Currently. Hey, with that in mind, as we get closer to 715, hey, Rod, it's 715 on a Wednesday. And OU still sucks. Let's get the rant. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, so I want to talk some NFL. Obviously, we've been talking a ton about uh, Texas OU, and we'll get back to that discussion when we go behind the burn orange garden and all throughout the show. Um, But I want to... I got a conspiracy theory now that I want to dive into a little bit. Ooh, Reddit rabbit hole. Let's go. Yeah, and it's not about the um, <laughs> not about the alert that's coming. All right, the mass national alert that's coming via your phone. That uh, I think our government's going to test out some emergency uh, system <laughs> on your phone. It's not about that. Nanoparticles. It's, yeah, nanoparticles. Watch out for that stuff. But it's actually about the Texans. Ooh. Now, you remember, and we've discussed this because you're a, you're a Houston sports fan, so you're a semi-Texans fan as a result of that. You're almost forced to be. Oh, man, Patrick Davis is a Texan. Well, now now back as a Texans fan. He had once re- uh, renounced his fandom, and now he's back <laughs> because Texans were so inept and dysfunctional, such a fuster cluck of a franchise. So now he's back, and we were talking a lot about the Texans uh, during the draft. And remember all of the the negative publicity and all of the bad stories that supposedly was dropping the draft stock of C.J. Stroud. Remember the cognition test uh, scores oh, yeah. were leaked, and he had a really low S, well, I think it was S two cognition test, whatever they called it. His uh, cognition score was really low. I uh, remember they kept calling him, a, "He's a system quarterback, system QB. He's not going to work outside that system unless he's in the perfect system. You basically got to take Ryan Day's system to the NFL. It's the only way it's going to work with C.J. Stroud." Uh, I remember the talk about him on him having elite wide receiver talent around him at Ohio State, and unless you're going to surround him with elite wide receiver talent like he had at Ohio State, it's not really going to work. His transition to the NFL is going to be tough. There was just a lot of negativity. We couldn't find out where it's coming from. It was like, man, who is in, like, what, who is right now motivated? And what is their incentive to try to drop the draft stock of C.J. Stroud? The, the, I guess the conspiracy theory is, is it possible now watching C.J. Stroud play, and we'll get to some of his kind of achievements so far through the first four games, which are really extraordinary. Is it possible that... The Texans were the one, the Texans, along with David Mulligetta, who I believe is his, his agent, who I call the Johnny Cochran of NFL agents, because he's got, he got Deshaun Watson, that fully guaranteed deal, even with multiple you know lawsuits against him of sexual misconduct. But anyway, I digress. 
Is it possible, E, that the Texans and David Bellagetta may be working together? They were the ones who were putting out all of this negative negativity and all these negative reports about C.J. Stroud and his skill set just so they could drop his stock enough so that the Panthers would not draft him, wouldn't even consider him, and that they would go with Bryce Young and that the Texans would get their guy. We still don't know where the negative reports were coming from, and obviously they were – they they were not you know well informed, <laughs> like the guy is balling right now out of control. Yeah, uh, and cognitive again. If you watched him at Ohio State, he was the best pure passer yeah, in the draft. Exactly. His accuracy was r- ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, but you know the cognition test has become popular. Brock Purdy aced that cognition yeah, aced test and yeah. those kind of things. But my my read on that as a draft freak, who it felt like for me, Carolina settled on on Bryce Young pretty early in the process. Uh, they had the one pick. That stuff on, on CJ came out pretty late in the process. It was kind of a couple weeks out to the draft. So I don't wonder if it wasn't teams behind Houston that wanted to scare Houston away from it. That would be kind of my thought. Okay. Like That's the, not a good theory. Like the Colts yeah. and, and I like that. Teams right behind them. That really liked them, yeah. Uh, to kind of, you know, which the Texans didn't do, kind of scare yeah. them away from yeah. it. Uh, maybe the Colts, uh, of course, the. Combine is in Indianapolis. I don't know if that has hey, any. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, I like that. Now we're on the grassy you knoll. <laughs> because it felt like really early on that the Carolina Panthers traded up with the Bears to get that pick and that they were in on um, Bryce Young. Now there was always the, the always clickbait debates and what's going on. The Frank Reich wants this. And yeah, the remember that? that There's a video that came mm-hmm. out. Remember after them, they're working out CJ Stroud. I forget who the quarterback coach was, a uh, former player. His name right now escapes me. And he basically, there's a video of him saying, we, We're going to get you. Like, yeah. we, 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 we're coming to get you. Like, yeah, we yeah. like it. So there, there was talk that they really, you know, liked uh, C.J. Stroud, too. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it had it been out because it, it wasn't there, I mean, at the Combine and then, you know, which is. It, it wasn't. It, yeah. There wasn't a lot of C.J. Stry, Stroud smoke. And that really came because, remember, the Combine is late February into early March. Mm-hmm. And then the draft isn't until late April. So you've got, from that point on, all the quarterback workouts and individual workouts and all that. And really in early April is when you started hearing the C.J. Stroud stuff. Yeah, someone was trying to drop his stock. We just don't know Agreed. who was trying to drop his stock. I like your theory, though, that it, it either a, it was somebody somebody out there was motivated to drop his stock. And I don't, I, don't, I don't think it was the reports were authentic and genuine. I think it was the well, motivation that deliberately was just, no, no, let's put anything out there to drop his stock. Now, the cognition score is what the cognition score was, whatever. And I think it came out later that that cognition score was not accurate, but nobody yeah. cared about that report. Yeah, and then you know, actually the founder of the guy who created the test came out and said, yeah. well, there, but he, he didn't say any he said names. They didn't grade it correctly. And, well, yeah. and someone said that there was one player that, that you know, had been up all night and they asked him to take the test. It was a long day, whatever, yeah. end of the combine deal. And, you know, whatever. Uh, all I know is if you watch C.J. Stroud play for his first four games, cognition is not a problem. Uh, the ball no. comes at one of the reasons they're not sacking him, and he's not he, the ball. He, he reads the field really quickly and makes extremely accurate throws and gets the ball out of his hand. We talk about Washington playing on Friday Thursday night. When you watch Sam Howell play, you know it's not just his bad offensive line. He holds the ball too long. He holds the ball too long. One thing C.J. Stroud and I've seen in his four games, and I've watched all of them. He gets rid of the football. Yeah, he um, has a really good internal clock. That yes, it, it's it's natural. It's it's and now and maybe he speeds it up because of this offensive line. For those who have not been keeping up uh, with the Texans, the Texans have had the worst O line in the NFL for the first four games of the season. Uh, left guard Kendrick Kendrick Green, he's now <clears throat> out with a torn meniscus. 
Uh, left tackle, left guard Josh Jones, he missed one game with an injured hand. Left guard Kenyon Green was out for the year. He's got the shoulder injury. Right tackle Titus Howard uh, on IR. He's got hand injury. Drew Scruggs is center. Um, he was on IR with a hamstring injury. Laramie Tunso uh, missed three games with a knee. Um, he might be coming back pretty soon. Uh, Quisenberry torn MCL, ACL, the center. Uh, they are, man, they were just a mass unit on the O line. And the assumption was that C.J. Stroud was going to struggle as a result, and the opposite has happened. How about this? He had he had nine he has nine hundred and seventy yards in his last three weeks. That is the most in the NFL. He is fourth overall in passing yards with over twelve hundred yards um, behind the most injured offensive line in the NFL. Sixty-two point three percent completion percentage, six touchdowns, zero interceptions. We'll get back to that number. Now over nine yards per attempt, a one hundred point six passer rating. Uh, his average yards after the catch is even 6.1. His passer rating versus man coverage, 139.4. That is the best in the NFL of any quarterback. Uh, he also, um, however, joins Aaron Rodgers uh, from Aaron Rodgers' 2020 season, Patrick Mahomes from 2018 to 2019, uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Peyton Manning as the only quarterbacks in NFL history to throw for at least 1,200 yards. Uh, in the first four games without an interception. He joins that rarefied group. Golly. Uh, he's, um, he's the second most passing yards through his first four uh, starts. Cam Newton is the only quarterback that's had more in NFL history. Third most pass attempts by a rookie. Uh, without an interception, Dak Prescott was at 176 and Tua at 152. But, of course, hell, next week he could end up surpassing that if he continues to uh, be really responsible with the football. First quarterback ever to throw 200 plus, throw for 200-plus yards in his first four career games. And on third and fourth down, how about this? He, he, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL on third and fourth down. As we know, that's, that's money time. That's, those are your money downs in the NFL. He's completing 69% of his passes on third and fourth down for 490 yards and four touchdowns. And the Texas offense, Texans offense now ranks 10th in total offense, uh, 4th in passing yards per game, 15th in points per game. Huge improvement from last season. They were at the bottom, bottom dwellers and bottom feeders in all these categories. They're still 26th in rushing yards per game, but they haven't relied on the running game because they're just letting this young quarterback cook. And he is cooking. And this is a, my favorite story about him came from cron.com, e, is that he now hosts teammates for a dinner with a private chef Damn near every night, every night that he can, he has a private chef over and has his teammates over for dinner, whoever wants to come. And it's actually something that he's been doing since before his final year at Ohio State. Those are the, you know, those are those little things, the intangibles, the immeasurable leader. leadership skills yeah, that you need at the quarterback position. And he seems to have that. He also turned 22 yesterday. So happy B-Day to the guy who's probably going to be rookie of the year. At least he's now on pace, too. He had rookie of the month honors in the NFL for September. Yep, uh, and they play Atlanta this week with uh, you know, B. Sean yeah. Robinson. That's kind of the early battle for Offensive Rookie of the Year conversation. You're right about that. And, of course, two teams going the different directions. Atlanta started 2-0, and Houston started 0-2, and now they're both 2-2 and because Houston's won back-to-back games. And those numbers for C.J. Stroud against defenses like Pittsburgh, Baltimore, um, the gosh, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have yeah. a very good defense as right. well. Uh, it's not like they've been playing bad defenses so good far. Uh, all right, so Texans and Falcons, also Cowboys and Niners on Sunday night. We'll start to preview that game. Mega matchup, the two biggest brands in all of Texas, two of the biggest brands in all of football. 
with marquee matchup opportunities this weekend. Longhorns can put themselves into the national title conversation with a win at the Cotton Bowl against 12th-ranked Oklahoma. The Cowboys with a measuring stick game of their own against mm-hmm. the uh, one of the only two undefeated teams in all of pro football. We'll get uh, drilling in on those as well. But great games. Good stuff in Rod's rant. We're coming back for the end of the hour. Some bullish or BS. It's a Wednesday edition. Longhorns are uh, three days out to the showdown game for the 119th time. We're coming back talking Texas OU. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. We're getting very specific on our National Taco Day talk, including this one. Best tacos by a semi-chain defined as four locations or more. Definitely Taco Deli. Taco Deli, getting love. I used to live right by Taco Deli. It's quality tacos. Fan of that? Sissy breakfast tacos. It's expensive though. It is expensive. They got good sauces. I'm a I'm a sauce man. Got get got get good sauces with your tacos. Taco Deli has quality sauces, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that and then he says that eliminates the taco trucks. So you can put them in separate categories: semi chain versus That's taco true. truck. Yeah. Actually, we, we heard the story, and by the way, on uh, two hours from now, our buddy Nick Shuley will be in the house with our set list ATX for the live music weekend. Nice. And he was telling us last week about uh, the Longhorn freshman wide receiver DeAndre Moore. And uh, using some of his, his NIL money to help uh, his family open up a food truck down there on Riverside called Jive Turkey. And they've got turkey tacos, Rod. Turkey tacos. Oh, nice. I his like that. His mom makes all recipes using turkey. It's pretty good. Yeah, and turkey's healthy for you. It's it is. Good for you. A little healthier, mm-hmm. a little different, a little off the nose. But he said they have all kinds of creative turkey items. That's off Riverside called Jive Turkey. Yeah, cool we, name. we do turkey tacos at the house, and we do like turkey enchiladas and stuff like that. Here's a question for you, Rod, about the Longhorn game. Which position group or players for OU do you think provide the biggest challenge for the Longhorns? Which position groups? Longhorns, we talked about yesterday, they have the, how many Longhorn actual starters would you trade for a starter of Oklahoma? Not many. Um, Not many. uh, uh, Position group that would give Texas issues, it would probably just be the the secondary versus their passing game and their receivers. Yeah, they do Uh, lead the Big 12 in takeaways, turnovers, um, interceptions. um, Yeah, well, I think they're – their passing game versus Texas secondary, just because Texas hasn't seen a real quarterback yet, a good quarterback, and their pass, they haven't really seen a developed passing game, a passing game with a true identity. Dylan Gabriel and the Sooners have that. I mean, say what you want about Jalen Milrow. I mean, that was not a <laughs> that was not a coordinated passing game. It just wasn't. They were just taking shots downfield. Um, this will be a coordinated passing game with a veteran quarterback who plays at a high level. They haven't faced that yet. So and a coordinated passing game with, as you said, a quarterback who's been playing in that system his whole life. Yeah, so I'm saying they just haven't seen that at all. And I, I can't. And I think Texas defense is up to the task. But I think that is the biggest question mark. We just haven't seen Texas secondary have to deal with a, a good quarterback. Who knows how to adjust and especially like you said in that system he is intimately right was, knowledgeable I mean, of that three system. years at Central Florida and then last year I mean this is his sixth year running that system for Kendall Bryles so it is Jeff Levy I mean Jeff Levy I should yeah. say Kendall Bryles is at uh, TCU now mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it's Jeff Levy kind of the same system same, it's a same system it's a veer and shoot veer and shoot yeah. and so it's he in the back of his hand this thing and now the yep. well, it's like we saw with Texas last year I mean the players 
around him or a year more seasoned in that system. Um, because obviously it was went from Lincoln Riley to Jeff Levy in one year. This is year two of that. Uh, Texas, again, is more talented than, than Oklahoma, right? I think Oklahoma fans would even tell you that across the board. But, yeah, I mean, you have a veteran quarterback who can make some things. And to your point about the, the 10 interceptions in the secondary, if Quinn Ewers makes some mistakes and they can force that and Brett Venables can disguise some coverages, that's how Oklahoma hangs around and, and stays in this game and makes it a, a close game at the end. Yeah, I think their, you know, their best chance, Oklahoma's best chance, will be to try to penetrate and make plays in the backfield early. They're an undersized defense compared to Texas offensive line. Right? Uh, Texas has the biggest O-line in the Big 12. So I think they should, you know, Oklahoma, they should double down on their ad- advantage, which may be a disadvantage if they try to play mano a mano and try to play straight up against Texas. But their advantage is they're undersized and they're, they're fast. And I would use that. I'd probably go a lot of run blitzing early on in downs uh, just to try to, you know, a slant, get into the backfield, make some plays, penetrate, and get Texas behind the chains. If Texas stays ahead of the chains, Oklahoma's got no shot, in my opinion. They got no because then Texas playbook is wide open, and then their Texas totally unpredictable on offense because they can pass on early downs. Uh, they're ahead of the chains, and they're in third and short third and medium. They can decide to run it or throw it, and you'll have Brent Venables in that defense on their heels. If you're Brent Venables, you got to find a way to penetrate and get in the backfield. Texas has big offensive linemen, which means they're big. They don't move as quick. They pull their guards a lot early uh, when in the run game, even in the play-action pass game. That gives you an opening right there in your run blitzing, and I think Brent Venables might try to take that and go some run blitzing early on when Texas pulls those guards, try to knife into the backfield and make some plays. They got the linebackers to do it too and I think you'll see that coming from every level early on and then if you can get them behind the chains if you accomplish that then you can break out your simulated pressures your exotic second level pressures and stuff like that but if you can't get Texas behind the chains it's going to be a long day for the Oklahoma defense man. I agree and they couldn't last year and they no. went up and down the field exactly. scored touchdowns on seven of their what 12 possessions or 13 possessions mm-hmm. they had exactly. uh, and that yeah but you also know Brett Venables is a defensive guy and a prideful guy he's been stewing on that all year mm-hmm. and they're going to have some stuff but you know think if you think about what Rod's talking about think about the Rice game where Texas kept finding themselves behind the chains oh. and the offensive line didn't play well and they kept having third and eight and third I think was, and nine I think it was 8.9 yards to yeah. gain that's, average on third down that's the game Brett Venables would like yes now, it is since that game we know that Sark came back in and was you know after his offensive line to be tougher, they went you know one versus one during the week, and they certainly played better against Alabama. Uh, Quinn didn't take a sack in that game, and they stayed ahead of the chains in that game for the most part, and they've just gotten better and better up front with the communication. Sark talked about trust this week that they're they're trusting one another, they're getting more comfortable. And remember, I mean, it's a it's just a still some young guys on that offensive line, and a guy like DJ Campbell inserted playing for the first time. Uh, I think they're coming together. But you're right; that's the kind of game Venables would want. Some negative plays on first and second down create some opportunities to uh, to force some of those turnovers. This says uh, um, Texas will harass that little quarterback. Well, that's true. He, he is, is only he's only five eleven. Yeah, he is small. Um, but he, I mean, he, he's he's a, he's a good quarterback. He's definitely the best quarterback Texas faced so far. I do think the pass rush is going to be a problem for Dylan Gabriel. He has not seen a pass rush as stout uh, as this Texas pass rush with Fondre. It, it's an interior pass rush. That's the best thing about the Texas pass rush and the pressure. It comes from the interior, which is the worst place for a quarterback to get pressure. Is right up the gut, right in their face. Forces them to have to abandon the pocket, um, and they can't step up in the pocket like quarterbacks like to. So that's what I like about Texas' situation. And what I think also for, you know, on the, on the flip side, going back to Brent, Brent Venables is going to do defensively, I do think if he can't, you know, 
cause Texas to, to operate behind the chains and force them into some negative plays. There is always the, you know, the bend but don't break philosophy um, with Ben Venables. I, I think that in the red zone, that is your opportunity for, you know, for a defense against Texas offense to actually force them into kicking field goals, which yep. actually they haven't been great at kicking field goals. Texas 108th in touchdown percentage in the red zone. Uh, and their field goal percentage, I think, is right around there even worse in the red zone. They're just not a great red zone team. Makes sense because Sark's uh, reliance on the vertical passing game is taken away in the red zone. Makes every team easier to defend. That's almost a comfort operating in the red zone these days with all the spatial Darwinism we are dealing with. So I think that Sark is, you know, he's probably got some plays he's working on in the red zone, but if you're Brett Venables, that might be your best bet too. As you pointed out, e, that's something that's also been revealed now through the first few games that uh, it, Kansas did it for the most part. If you can force Texas to have to earn it the hard way and not get those explosive plays that turn into touch downs and points and have to operate in the red zone, you stand a better chance of uh, winning that bend but don't break uh, style. No question. And uh, <laughs> only on this show will you hear the phrase spatial Darwinism from our man Rod Babers. That's great stuff right yeah, there. It's a good term. Great stuff. Spatial Darwinism. But yeah, JT Sanders would help a healthy JT Sanders in the red zone on Saturday. That and I help. think uh, you know the, the key figure for me in this game is, we'll talk a lot about quarterbacks because as you say, this is the best quarterback the Longhorns have faced. This is also far and away the best quarterback Oklahoma has faced this year. Agreed. Uh, and so the quarterbacks, I think, are, are going to play well. But, you know, Jonathan Brooks stands to me as the guy. If they can generate this guy and just keep him rolling, coming off a 218-yard performance, and we know he who runs in this game and runs the ball wins, uh, that would give Texas a decided advantage at running back and running game. Uh, that's where this can really separate. Because if Texas runs the ball, they'll stay ahead of the chains. They'll give play-action opportunities. And, uh, you know, J- Jonathan is just – He's on a mission to have Steve Sarkeesian call him the starter. And he won't do it. Come on, For some man. reason, see what Coach, Coach Sark won't admit it, that he's a starter. I don't know what's going on. But maybe that's the motivation. Maybe that's the it, carrot. It, I don't know. Yeah, because he started CJ back to the first two games, and Jonathan Brooks has been balling ever since. And if this is the motivation that he wants to be the starter and Sark won't name him the starter, hey, Sark, keep doing what you're doing. Hey, listen, on the On keep Texas Football live stream with uh, Inside Texas last night that you and I were on with Jerry <laughs> Hamilton having a great time for talking Longhorn fans because mm-hmm. it's, it's 24-7 during this uh, oh, Texas yeah. OU week. Uh, no, there we were talking about you know a game like this, a platform like this for both sides, but certainly for the Longhorns since they've already balled out on a national stage in the Alabama game, and they were the talk of the nation coming out of that that win at Bama. You know, this is the national game, right? There's some big games, but this is the across the country game at 11 o'clock that'll be talked about the rest of the day, however it goes. You know, Jonathan Brooks has a big game in this game. You start talking about him for Doak Walker Awards, Rod. He'll I mean, that's the kind of thing, right? I mean, yeah. these are the games, you know, Heisman Trophy category, that's pretty crowded mm-hmm. right now. But for the Boletnikoff Awards and for, you know, um, the, the tight end award, the Mackey Award, Jalen Ford as a butt kiss, these are the kind of games that those are the moments. And, and those that that's the exciting part for Longhorn fans. The guys we're talking about, whether it be the X-Man, mm-hmm. Jalen Ford, Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, uh, gosh, Jonathan Brooks, the, uh, these guys are playing at a really high level. Yep. I mean, these guys are coming in feeling like they're cooking right now. They put on a big performance, you know, following up what they did with Alabama and a 6-0 and start. Those guys all of a sudden put themselves on the national radar. That's, that's what this game is for me. Texas is right mm-hmm. now still in the regional radar. They're still, we're talking about them as a Big 12 champion and a potential team, and this game's important to that. They, they come out and are impressive in this game for four more quarters. 
Uh, now all of a sudden, their team starts being talked about nationally in a big way, and the players on it start getting talked about as because that's how you win those awards, right? Mm-hmm. You're on a team that wins. Yeah, you're on a team that, that performs well in big spots. Uh, and the Longhorns have have really good players at all those spots who are on the watch list for those awards. So these are big games, big moments, big opportunities. And you know what? You know what, Rod? Big time players mm, show up in big games. Show up in these games. You're damn right. Big, you're right. You Seize the a, opportunity. And you can become a legend among Longhorn fans, too. You, you you make big plays in this game. Trust me, they don't forget it. I made one in a loss. And, 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 I, still and get, I know there'll be a lot of love. talk over the next uh, the 48 hours from because we know that uh, with College Game Day coming with ESPN, that turns into a Friday and Saturday doubleheader because Pat McAfee, you know, he's part of College Game Day. He brings his show there on Friday mm-hmm. morning. And uh, so there'll be guests and conversation. And there'll be a lot of talk about next year. I'm watching right now on ESPN. They're talking Texas OU, and it's Paul Feinbaum. And they're obviously already talking about next year. Well, hey. how many guys on this Texas roster have no plans on playing in this game ever again? This is it. Now, they may play Oklahoma again this year in a Big 12 title game, but this is the last one at the Cotton Bowl. Um, X-Men, JT, yeah. J- Jalen Ford, Ford, Sweat, Murph, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of these guys along the way. Now, Christian Jones at right tackle, <laughs> Quinn yours, JT Sanders. This is, in their minds, if they have, if they have a great season, this is it for them. Mm-hmm. So who cares about the SEC for those guys? They want to win this one. I think there's a lot of incentive for Texas. And as somebody pointed out on the text line, half the Oklahoma roster has never played in this game. That's true because they have attacked the portal and they have like 40, 45 new players on this team that haven't played in this ballgame. This will be a new experience for them. And as you said, the quarterback advantage, Texas's quarterback has played and played well in this game. Mm-hmm. Dylan Gabriel has not played in this game yet. He didn't last year because of injury. So. Brent, Brent Venables, had, he said that 97 of the 123 players on his roster are first or second year yep. players. So, um, yeah, he, 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 he turned over the roster as quickly as he could. Um, and, you know, I mean, it's something. We saw Sark do the same thing. I mean, Sark had a pretty good turnover rate, too. Um, you can do that in the transfer portal era, especially when you're a blue blood like uh, Oklahoma and Texas. So, and it's we'll paid s- dividends for them, but in yes, this game, yeah. how far? How much of ground have they ca- caught up? They're faster on defense, without a doubt. Uh, their linebackers are good. They're more talented. But, uh, you know, this is an opportunity for Texas to become a national, the national conversation. I agree with that. Uh, so it's been 725 days, guys, if you're counting, since OU scored a point against Texas. Thank you very much. Yeah, they can, if, the if they get shut out again, that there will be some some heads that have to roll. That's just you can't get shut out in Texas OU game two, two years in a row. Well, last thing, do, I don't know, gets, has that ever happened? Has that ever happened? Somebody got mm, shut out mm, in the Texas OU game two years in a row. Yeah, uh, I don't think it no. ever happened. I don't think everybody's been shut out in the game before last year. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like you can't be you can't be shut out, and you at least got to get a touchdown. You get shut out, you got to get a touchdown next year. Well, that's why this game is important to Brett Venables because I know even Oklahoma fans are like, okay, five and zero start, nice. We you haven't played anybody, but we still got to make amends for last year. Not just. 49 points, but not a single point on our side, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. And I know it was a re- rebuild year. It was still. all that, but still. Yeah, man. You're Oklahoma. Whoa. <laughs> Yo. Yeah, Gotta so be better. I think, yeah. Even Jeff Jeff Lebby said, I'll, I'll find that quote. Jeff Lebby, well, well, he said something about that, too, actually, earlier this year. Yeah, that's a pride thing yeah, for coaches right. and players. Well, and we'll ask that question on the way to the timeout, and we'll pick it up uh, with bullish or BS and beyond. But Pressure is greater on which coach in this game because Steve Sarkeesian, if he doesn't and his team doesn't get it done on Saturday, you know this is you know this is the year to win the Big Twelve, right? All excuses, mm-hmm. all gas, no excuses. Big yeah, Twelve right. or bust. You lose this game, it gives you a hit to your chances of winning the Big Twelve. Doesn't end them, but it would be a hit. And for Brett Venables, only in year two. But after last year, pressure is greater on which 
coach in this game. Let's throw that out there to you. Hit us on the text line, 447-3776. It's National Taco Day. We're talking tacos. And next, it's Bullish or BS on Hook'em Up. Bullish or BS? Yeah, time for Bullish or BS on this National Taco Day. That's also National Vodka Day. And gosh, I don't know. October 4th is popular because it apparently is also National Cinnabon or Cinnamon Bun Day. Oh, man. How many things they, can I don't have know. this I don't day? Know. I thought they had to, like, claim one. Come on. Claim your plot. It's a lot of stuff, man. Well, well, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I guess, you know? <laughs> Cinnabon for l- breakfast, tacos for lunch, and vodka for dinner. <laughs> That's probably not the best, <laughs> no. the healthiest diet for you. You so might feel like Ty does Yes, exactly. Ty Henderson's back, but he doesn't feel good, so we need to get him home. Yes, sir. I'll put the call out for Take Cole care of yourself, Ty, man. Take care of yourself. Hey, uh, Bullish or BS, Rod, I've got uh, this for you. But doesn't it feel like every year, in, in about this time of year, there's a big, big upset Saturday in college football? And I don't want to put that out there with the Longhorns as a six-point favorite at Oklahoma, with Oklahoma, okay? Longhorns are favorite, so I, I, this is we'll talk about the game. But it just feels like every year there's a game, a, a, a day, like, like maybe a setting up. And I could be dead wrong on this. Mm-hmm. When I look at Saturday, I look at Ohio State at 4-0, heavily favored at home against a 5-0 Maryland team where the line is big, but Maryland has won all their games and they've been very impressive. How about Georgia with Kentucky coming to town? It's big. Georgia's 5-0, and but they've looked pretty average so mm-hmm. far. Kentucky, not only is Kentucky 5-0, and Rod, they're top 20 in the country in points allowed and points scored per game. And they've covered every game they've had, including as a three-point favorite last week, they beat Florida by 19. Um, and this is a Mark Stoops team that's kind of been building. Uh, you also have the Alabama A&M game where the Aggies are a, a home underdog against the 11th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Roll you, damn tide. Roll damn tide. You've got Notre Dame ranked 10th, but they're at Louisville, who's 5-0. and and Yeah, a that's an upset alert to me. So Ooh, that man. would be a, so bullish or BS. Which one of these games are you most? Would you most be bullish of, uh, of a higher ranked team? The upset coming in on Saturday. Ooh, that's good. Um, Kentucky, Georgia. I know Georgia hadn't played well, but man, they're still Georgia. Missouri is. Yeah, Missouri's actually the higher ranked team, so I won't even go there because yeah, LSU's playing so badly. But but <laughs> but Missouri's still. Undefeated. And they're getting six and a half points at home. Mm-hmm. And Missouri's been a covering machine this year, too. When, when Ty and I go head-to-head on Friday with our big picks, there's a lot to chew on here. Because one thing about winning the game and upsetting Ohio State or Kentucky or Georgia, but covering is, is the other. But, man, Missouri's getting almost a touchdown at home. They're 5-0. and They're playing LSU. Can't, can't tackle anybody. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Right now, I don't know why I feel like that Notre Dame-Louisville game okay. could be trouble. For Notre Dame. Tired any of these jump off the uh, page to you? Is because there could be a rash of them. This, there's always a Saturday where it there's could like be, where a handful, multiple, yeah, top ranked teams fall. Uh, well, with the way Auburn ran the football on Georgia last week, I, and Kentucky, their running back had like 200 and something yards rushing. So I, I could see I, they're 14 point underdogs, 14 and a half. Yeah, that's a big number. That's a and big Georgia, number. Georgia does play a lot better at home than they do away, but that, I, I, I see that game being a lot more close. Yeah, Kentucky is points. Kentucky's scored, and they co- they've been a covering machine if you're on the gambling side this year. Uh, and yeah, this says Aggies at Kyle Field, legit. Look, I mean, Aggies getting points in that environment. We still know that Alabama, you know, since they lost to Texas, they struggled when they benched their quarterback at South mm-hmm. Florida, but they've kind of rebounded. With wins, uh, back-to-back wins, they beat Mississippi State last week in Starkville. 
But uh, we know what that home environment for A&M is. The Aggies kind of got back into things. They lost that game at Miami. But, man, their their defense has been a lot better since. They went up and really dominated that Arkansas game in Arlington last Saturday. And I know they're going with Max Johnson, so they have a backup quarterback. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons they're probably getting points in the underdog in this game. But Max Johnson's a veteran player in the SEC. He's played a lot of football. Yeah, he's played a lot of football. And like that Aggie defense should be able to keep them in it. The defense, other than that Miami letdown, uh, defense has been pretty consistent for the Aggies. So you're feeling Notre Dame, because look, Notre Dame is just lucky to be They just they seem ranked. like they're teetering. They, they did, I, don't know, I, think Notre I told Dame's, you Duke had them beat last week. Yeah, then Louisville's at home. Louisville's playing some good football. Nobody's really paying attention. Hey, Louisville's at home. Uh, well, no. 5-0. That's where you, you have feel- these undefeated teams like Maryland, Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. uh, even Oklahoma, and they're all stepping up in, in class here, because I mean, Oklahoma's a blue blood, but they were bad last year, and they still haven't played anybody. Yeah, it's these games where you'll get okay, some clarity. You'll get to figure yeah, out these teams are really for real. Are. If, yeah, I'm with you on that. It's a good week for that. Are they for real or not? Are they for real or not? Missouri too, with yeah. LSU coming. Is to your town. five and zero for real? We'll figure that out. Yeah, and yeah, Missouri's I, might be though. Yeah, we they already Miss, beat K State. Yeah, remember on that last second field goal. Yeah, Missouri's actually might be because Missouri always has some um, good talent at single positions it's on a D line randomly for some reason. It's always the case. And, and again, Missouri with Eli Drinkwitz, that's a you know a coach who's been kind of building that program, and um, mm-hmm. obviously they're out to a 5-0 start. And so, yeah, it's a big week, interesting week in college football. It says, what's the line on Tech Baylor? Ooh. Is, is, is there a line? Ooh. No, it's a pl- plus one, plus one. It's a pick'em game. What? It's a pick'em game. Well, yeah, because now you've got uh, Joe, Joe Me the Money back at his old spot. Yeah, Stumbly where he Browns was. And, Baylor. and remember, the Baylor job really came down to – Dave Aranda or Joey McGuire when Matt Rule left. And Joey McGuire, remember, he took a lot of folks with him when he went to Tech. Took a lot of their recruiting, uh, kind of a lot of their kind of recruiting insiders. Uh, And Tech, by the way, for Joey McGuire, different team, Lubbock to road. Joey McGuire has not been a good road coach so far in college football. That game is at Baylor, and maybe Baylor survived, you know, saved their Steven with that comeback. 28 point comeback. Yeah. Uh, also in the Big 12, remember that K-State-Oklahoma State game in Stillwater is a Friday night game, which I'm sure nobody in Oklahoma is happy about, that they're playing a Friday night game when it's supposed to be all high school football. Come on, man. Hard also, recruiting. Also in the Big 12, UCF is at Kansas. TCU is at Iowa State. Of course, all eyes on the Cotton Bowl, Texas and Oklahoma. We'll come back. We'll hear Sark talking about this rivalry. Oklahoma much improved. Rod will also uh, take us behind the burnt orange curtain next hour. We're rolling on, man. It's uh, Roll With Us on a Wednesday, up over the hump here on Hook'em Up.